0: Good morning to everyone and welcome to the well here at STSA. Whether you're here in Leesburg or you're over there in Arlington watching us, you deserve credit today. You know why? Because you made it to church on the least attended Sunday of the entire year. And this year in particular... Between the meat coma that we've all been for the past six days, between the post-Lent travel that I know so many people are traveling, or between the fact that probably half of the people that you know in this church family have COVID right now as we speak, it is incredible that you made it, and I'm glad that you're here, even if our numbers aren't huge today. You made it. And the fact that you made it, yes, that's a woohoo situation, yes. The fact that you made it means that God has something special in store for you today. I truly, truly believe that. Because regardless of what is going on in the world today, I don't know, there's probably wars going on somewhere, there's probably diseases going on somewhere, there's probably crime, there's kinds all kinds of bad news. Today I got good news for you. And the good news is this Christ is risen. And I say Christ is risen, and you say? Truly, Truly he is risen. Because that's the best news ever. And it's such great news that a practice that we've always had in the church from the earliest days is that it became a greeting in the church. Is that they were so excited that Christ is risen that they would announce it to each other. So just like it, like this. So I say Christ is risen, you say truly he's risen. Let's practice it together. Christ is risen. risen. I want to hear you in Arlington. Christ is is risen. See, that's a nice way to greet one another. The church said that's a better way. Like usually it's like, hey, how's it going? You know, I take a walk in the morning, and I see the same people. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Hey, Fred. Hey, Walt. You know, how's the kids? How's the prostate? Like, you know, how, we, those are the kinds of... Like, how Christ is risen is the best news ever, and because of that, okay, we will rejoice no matter what is going on in the world, and we'll celebrate for these next 50 days. And we're going, what we're going to be doing here during this time during, at The Well is we're going to be doing a series called I Am... The subtitle, So Who Are You? And it's going to be based on seven statements, or we're going to go through four of them, okay? But Jesus made seven statements in the gospel according to St. John of I am. Where he would say things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. And whoever abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Or he said, I am the bread of life. He who eats of this bread will never hunger. And he who drinks of this will never thirst again. What you'll notice with every one of the I am statements is they all have a similar path. It starts by him saying, I am this, and therefore you have access to this. Or therefore you are this. Or therefore you can this. Hence the subtitle. Is Jesus going to be in this series, he's telling us in his own words, this is who I am. But we're not going to stop with just understanding who he is. We want to understand who he is and what does that mean for us. Because by understanding who he says he is in his own words, we realize the power that is available to every one of us when Christ lives within us. And that's why before we jump into this series, okay, today we're going to start with Jesus' the, the, the one I am statement that doesn't happen first chronologically, all right, but it's the one that sets the tone for the rest of them, and it's this, it's John eleven twenty five. 25. Can we read this all together? Participation, Arlington, I want to hear you reading this all together. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. There's a lot of things in life we take for granted, especially in the church. Things, I say things like Jesus loves me. We take things like that for granted because, yeah, Jesus loves me, Jesus loves me. But then once we understand the full extent of what does it mean that my creator loves me even though he does, I don't deserve any love. That's a big thing. Another thing is when we think that Jesus is alive, Jesus is risen from the dead, so this is something that we take for granted because of all the different I am statements, this is the one that makes all the rest of them so powerful because Jesus' resurrection from the dead is not just a historical fact. It's not just a you know a story that we tell. And in fact, whenever we talk about Jesus' resurrection, you'll notice in the church hymns, we don't say Jesus has risen from the dead, we say Jesus is risen from the dead. And is is very important because what we mean by that is is that Jesus is alive because Jesus is risen from the dead. Now, when it comes to resurrection, like of all the I am statements, this is going to be the hardest one to make tangible because it's not relatable. Like when I say Jesus talks about bread, we all know what bread is. Okay, a vine, you can picture a vine. A good shepherd, you can picture a good shepherd. But resurrection isn't something that we're really used to. Anybody here resurrected from the dead recently? Seen somebody resurrected from the dead? The closest we've ever gotten to resurrection is when someone gets really sick and may be close to death, and then they have a miraculous healing. But that's not resurrection. That's resuscitation. Because a person who is near death and comes back to life is still going to die. Right, like, like when we, the closest we got, we had a, a, a little uh, goldfish, okay? His name was Willie, okay, Free Willie. He was a, the Free Willie. So the closest we got to resurrection was one time some priest came over with his kids and the kid poured like his dinner inside the fish tank, okay? And we couldn't see Willie for quite some time. He was not free for, he was we were kind of buried under We thought we lost Willie. And then a couple of hours later, we saw Willie moving around. We're like, it's a miracle. We are truly saintly people. We prayed and Willie is now free again. But Willie eventually died okay, so he came back for a few days maybe a week or whatever it was I think then we stopped feeding him we kind of went from one extreme to the other so Willie didn't make it very long after that but that's not resurrection that's just resuscitation that's someone who was near death didn't die came back to life but then eventually died again but that's not resurrection that's not Jesus Jesus when he rose never died again which means that Jesus is here with us now Which means that Jesus is here, and because he's here, and because he's alive, and because he's with me, when he says, I am the bread, when he says, I am the way, when he says, I am the vine, that means that I have access to something really powerful, and our goal in this series is to understand what that is. So we're going to start with this statement here from John chapter 11, and we'll get the context of it first. The context of Jesus saying, I'm the resurrection and the life, came in the story or in the context of Jesus' greatest miracle before his own death and resurrection. And that is the raising of Lazarus, his close friend from the dead. You know the story. You've heard it many times. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. He got sick and eventually his sickness led him to a very, very bad place. And people sent word to Jesus saying, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is sick. And everyone was all worried about Lazarus and his sickness. But one person was not very concerned and that was Jesus. John 11, verse 5 and 6. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Everyone is worried about Lazarus. Jesus is like, that's okay. Not that big a deal. We'll hang out here for a couple days. Then we'll go see him. Well, eventually, Jesus makes his way over there. And what he discovers when he gets there is that the sickness actually led to death. Verse 17. So when Jesus eventually came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for days. This four days is an important point because back in the time, they had a certain kind of like a folklore or kind of a a belief, which was that when somebody died for the first three days, their spirit was still in the area. Okay, this is not Christian belief. This is what they used to believe. So I would, somebody would die and their spirit would be like hovering around the body just in case. The spirit would be like, are you sure you're dead? Just making sure. And then once after three days, the spirit's like, okay, clearly this guy's not coming back. Medicine hadn't figured out, so I'm going to go and be on my way. So their belief that within the first three days, okay, there's hope. But by day four, the spirit's like, I got to get to going. So this was a big deal that Jesus came after four days. Verse 20, then Martha went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha, we love Martha. Martha goes straight to Jesus and Martha doesn't mince words. Martha says, you, this is your fault. You could have stopped this if you had been here. And we read that and we're like, ooh, that's kind of brash, that's kind of bold. But was Jesus offended? No, You know why? Because the fact that Martha would speak to Jesus like this, this isn't our topic, but since I'm on here, the fact that Martha would speak to Jesus like this shows that there was a level of intimacy. There was a level of closeness. There was a level of trust. And Jesus loves that. That's why Jesus doesn't rebuke her. Watch what Jesus says to her. Verse 22, or this is what she says. And this shows how beautiful that she is. She says, even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you shows that level of closeness. Verse 23, Jesus doesn't rebuke her. He says to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus says, don't worry. Lazarus is going to be okay. He's going to live eventually. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard the sermon, Jesus. I know the sermon. Martha was great. Okay, Martha was real. That's why we all love Martha. If you remember the colors thing, Martha was for sure red, 100% red right here. Because Martha went straight to him and she's like, you could have solved this. And Jesus is like, don't worry, he's going to be okay. And she's like, I know he's going to be okay eventually, but I'm not talking about heaven. I him my brother right now. In other words, what she's saying is, Jesus, I don't want comfort. I want an answer. I don't want you to give me nice words. I don't need a Bible study. I need my brother. And Jesus responds to her, fully understanding, and says this, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She's saying, I don't want to talk about heaven. I want my brother now. And he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. This statement right here is not just about heaven. If, if, if Jesus meant to say, just don't worry, he'll be in heaven one day. And this resurrection is just about heaven. Then it would have stopped after the last verse. When she said, I know my brother. I'll see him again at the resurrection of the dead. But Jesus is talking about a resurrection right now and life right now. And that gets us to our kind of key thought here for today, which is this. Resurrection isn't what Jesus does. It's who he is. Resurrection isn't what Jesus does. It's who he is. And life isn't what Jesus gives. It's the essence of his very nature. We think of resurrection as something that Jesus does. We think of life as something that Jesus pulls out of his pocket and gives. False. Resurrection's not a thing. Resurrection's not a what. Resurrection's a who, and it's Jesus. Think of it this way. Think of somebody drowning in the middle of the ocean. He's drowning in the middle of the ocean. He's at sea all by himself. And then there's an island over there. That island for him could save him from death. Sort of. But he's just gonna hold on to it for a little bit, and then eventually he's gonna die because there's nothing on an island, it's just an empty island. So it kind of saves him for a moment versus a lifeguard on the jet ski, the two-seater, that is, okay? A lifeguard on a jet ski. That's what Jesus is saying. The difference between the island and the lifeguard on the jet ski, one of them will stop you from dying for a little bit. The other one will help you to live as you've never lived before. The, the jet ski and the lifeguard, when you cling to it and hold on to it, not only are you are not gonna die, you're gonna experience life In a whole new way, you're going to see things you've never seen. You're going to be places you've never been before. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is not just power to stop whatever bad in my life, to heal whatever sickness, to overcome whatever problem. He's not just that, what he is. He's a new way to face life. Because he is alive and he is with me. And after he rose from the dead 2,000 years ago, which none of us question, at least hopefully, He never died since then. He's still alive, and he is here with me. And because of that, there's no problem that I ever face alone ever again. There's no darkness I ever face alone ever again. There's no sickness, there's no nothing. He has conquered the unconquerable. The the, the power of death and Hades he has destroyed. And because of that, everything I face in life, I face not by myself, but I cling to him on the jet ski. And we can face anything together Because, here's our verse, I want you to say it with me. You say, repeat with, or say it with me all together. I am the resurrection, I can't hear anybody except me, say it with me. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I want to spend the rest of our time today talking about do you believe this? And I want to ask you, do you believe this at two levels? There's two levels you need to answer this question. Do you believe this? Number one, at a literal level, and number two, at a spiritual level. Let's start with the literal level. What I mean by the literal level is, do you believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead, and that do you believe that he is actually here alive? And I know you say, of course we do. That's why we're in church. But I read a very scary statistic not too long ago, and it said that in this country, United States of America, 80% of the people roughly call themselves Christians, 80% of the people. And then they asked a question. Do you believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead? It's an actual thing where Jesus rose and is alive. 50% of the people said yes. So I didn't understand how 80% of the people could say I'm Christian and only 50% could say I believe in the resurrection. But what that tells me is no wonder Christianity's gotten watered down. No wonder people live weak lives. No wonder we live in defeat even though we're calling ourselves Christian because the resurrection is the linchpin of Christianity. It's the source of the power. So the first thing I want to ask ourselves, I want us to ask, is how do we know that Christianity, how do we know that the resurrection actually happened? And I'll say this, Christianity, this is an important point that you know this, Christianity isn't based on faith or hope or belief, it's based on a historical event, and that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know this, right? Like I always say, Christian books should not be in the religious section of the bookstore. Like the religion section, that's not Christianity. Because religion sounds to me like a group of people who got together and said, this is a nice way to live life. We should live this way. We should not you know, hurt people. Like That's nice, but that's not Christianity. Christianity is not a group of people who sat around and said, what do you think we should make this religion look like? Let's, you know, let's do a thing called communion or let's love our neighbor. That's not Christianity. Christianity belongs in the history section because Christianity began and at basis of Christianity is an event that took place. We're a person who everybody believes that person's name is Jesus Christ, historical figure, you can look him up, wherever it may be, was born roughly in the year zero, or most scholars would say like 3 BC. Okay, we numbered a little bit off, but roughly about then. 33 years later, he died. And when he died, his followers went and started this movement, which was just simply at the beginning, had a very creative title. What was the name of Christianity at the beginning? The Way. Okay, not the most creative thing, but okay, maybe they didn't have a creative department the way we do, but they called it The Way. And this thing called The Way spread all over the world. Spread all over, with no technology, no Zoom meetings, no emails, none of that stuff. It spread all over the world. And the basis of this way was that our leader was killed and rose from the dead. That was the basis of it. Can you imagine if today, I said, I'm going to start a religion. And the basis of the religion is pigs fly. And my religion is going to be called pigs fly. And the basis is we believe that pigs fly. And you would say, that religion is not going to make it very far. Unless what? Unless pigs actually fly. Unless people are seeing pigs like unless people are at a luau and the pig gets down off the thing and takes off into midair. The only way Christianity, again, we've taken this thing for granted, that Jesus died and rose again. The only way Christianity would have survived, not even the first century, the only way it would have survived the first first 15 minutes, the only way it would have survived on the basis of somebody died and rose again is if that person really did die and rise again and it was not just a belief, but it was Provable. And did you know the the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a provable historical event? Provable in two ways. Number one, there's written testimony. And number two, there's eyewitness testimony. I don't want to go into all the details right now. I've given entire talks on this. as how we know that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just something that we believe. It's not just something that we hope. It's not just something that we think. It's not a myth. It's not a legend. It's a historical fact. And in fact, my honest opinion, I'll just say this right now, we'll get into it. It actually takes a lot more faith to not believe in the resurrection than it takes to believe in it. It takes a lot more faith and hope, and like, I really, 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 really believe to not believe in the resurrection when you factor in the eyewitness testimony and the written accounts. Let's start with the written accounts. Just briefly, real quick, right here. Some people who argue against the resurrection will tell you that you can't trust the accounts of the resurrection in the New Testament because they are written after so many years And there's many variations in them. So you know what? You can't really trust it. It's just kind of like make-believe stuff that people named Matthew, Mark, and Luke just kind of made this stuff up or Paul made this stuff up. Anyone who says that, with all my due respect, with all my due respect, is either lazy or ignorant, with all due respect. Because anyone, any scholar who doesn't have a bias, the problem is people have biases, any scholar who doesn't have a bias will tell you that the Gospels... Okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Leave John. John is, 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 came much later. Matthew, Mark, Luke came how, fa- how long after the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Anyone want to guess? Yeah, all of them within 30 years. Some within 20 years, but all within 30 years. 30 years is... It sounds like a long time, but it's not really that long a time. Like, you can't have legends about pigs flying... And dead rising in 30 years. And actually, if you go to the epistles, especially the epistles of St. Paul, those, all scholars would date those to within 15 years. Legends don't develop in 15 years. Like, if I tell you, you know, um, uh, that uh, uh, LeBron James uh, and the uh, Lakers uh, won the championship last year, you would say, no, they didn't. They didn't win, they won two years ago, but they didn't win last year. Say, no, 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 no. Uh, trust me, they, they won. You'd say, we were all alive, we were there, we know they didn't, we know that the Milwaukee Bucks won. Like, this is, what, like, this is just a fact, in case you didn't know that. But if I told you in 1934, uh, that's when the Lakers won, you'd be like, uh, okay, I mean, you would have no idea, because that was like so many years and years and years ago. But you can't start legends about dead people rising in such a short period of time. Well, let me show you a verse from Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost, which is not 30 years after the resurrection, which is not 15 years after the resurrection. How many many days after the resurrection is Pentecost? 50. So two months after the resurrection. St. Peter giving his speech in front of a whole group of people. It says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you, to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did, Through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. See how he's going and saying, you guys know this. He was here. He was among you. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and have crucified him and put to death, whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. St. Peter is saying, you crucified him. You buried him in a tomb. You saw his miracles. You put him up on that cross. You buried him. And then you saw him after he was buried. You saw him walk on the streets of Jerusalem. You had breakfast with him. You saw him appear in front of multitudes of people. And what was their response to that? Was their response, Peter, you lost your mind? Peter, you gone crazy? Peter, we're talking about dead people rising. Like you, the response, verse 41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3000 souls were added to them. What was their response? You're crazy? You're insane? You're making stuff up? Their response was, "You're You're right. You're right. 3000 people that day. 50 days, 2 months ago. Said, you're right. I will give you another verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, St. Paul. Look how St. Paul goes out of his way to say, "Trust me on this one. This is true." For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was, now listen what he says, he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. He goes out of his way to say, Jesus is risen, and if you don't believe me, fact check me. I ain't opposed to it. Go ahead, ask James. He's right down the street. Go ask Cephas. That's Peter. He lives right down over there. There were 500 other people that Jesus appeared to in one time. So he's saying, they're alive. So if you, if you don't believe me, just go knock on the doors and ask them. Do you know, just, I, the, I love lawyer movies. Anyone here love lawyer movies? I always believe like if I, because if, he's a lawyer, okay. If I could be like another profession, I would love to be a lawyer but not like a boring paper lawyer or patents or whatever. Like, I want to be like Tom Cruise and a few good men. Like, you can't handle the truth kind of a thing. Like, I I, I want to be like that guy, like berating the witness. Like, that's the guy I want to be. Okay, fighting for justice, of course, okay? So do you know, if you go to any court, everyone will tell you the strongest testimony is always the eyewitness testimony, Like, someone can have, like, I think maybe this, or where, but you bring someone who says, I saw it, it was her, and that's it, okay? Case closed. If you were to bring 500 people in front of a jury and a judge, and you gave 500 people 15 minutes to testify, 15 minutes isn't that much, okay? That's usually the name and all that stuff takes more than that, but if you saw a dead person walking, give the guy at least 15 minutes to tell the story of what he saw. If I gave you 500 people and gave them each 15 minutes How much testimony do you think that is? I did the math here for you. If right now, I bring the first person up here, 15 minutes, 500 people, we would be listening to testimony all day today, all through the night into tomorrow, all day Tuesday, all day Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we would finish somewhere around Saturday morning at three o'clock in the morning, through the night. And you're sitting there, and you're going to be sitting there in that chair. You're going to listen to Five and a half consecutive days of people saying, I saw him, I saw him, I saw him. And be like, I'm uh, not convinced. I think they're making it up. This could be a legend. That's what I'm saying. It takes a lot more faith to not believe the 500 people actually saw him. And one person said, someone said, maybe the 500 people imagined him. And I read somewhere it said, that's actually even a greater miracle because you can ask any psychiatrist or psychologist to get 500 people to have the exact same hallucination at the exact same time, that's a greater miracle than the resurrection. Like, I can like, appear to you in a dream and convince you, but to convince 500 people at the same time, that shows that he's God more than anyone. Because the resurrection is, isn't a legend. It's real. Okay, how about the written accounts? Some people say, but there's variations and Mark says it this way, and then Luke says it this way, and one says he appeared to the ladies, and then the disciples. The other says he appeared to the ladies, and then he appeared on the road to Emmaus. And there's like there's discrepancies and there's conflicts. And again, this is a person who's not thinking clearly or has a bias. If you go to a police officer, okay, and the police officer is interviewing uh, witnesses about a crime that took place, and one witness says, I saw the man. It was a tall man with a brown coat. Another witness says, "I saw the man. He was wearing a hat." Would you say these are completely conflicting? Say clearly that they're making it up. Is that what you would say? You'd say it's a tall man with a brown coat and a hat. They're not conflicting with one another. If, I, if you go home today and someone says, "How was church?" Someone says the coffee was good. Someone says the 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 the, the peanuts were stale. They're not conflicting. They're just pointing out different things. How was the movie? I liked the beginning. The end was no good. Those aren't conflicting. Those are different people who saw the same event but highlighted different components. It's not conflicting. When you look at the variations in the gospel accounts, including St. Paul's accounts, what you'll see is two things. Number one, the variations are not hidden, they're all clearly spelled out in the footnote. Like we're not hiding it. Like the footnotes will say, some manuscripts say this, some say this. It's not like a secret. The other thing that you'll notice is the variations. They tell the same story, just in different ways. Like, it's not like one of them says, like, Jesus was crucified on a cross, and the other one says, like, he fell off a ladder and died. Like, they're not making up stuff, like, they're not very different. They're all saying the same thing, but just emphasizing on different points. I don't want to go further into that, because like I said, I've given entire talks on that. But bottom line, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's a historical fact. It takes a lot more faith to not believe in it. And we as the children of God, the children of the church, need to know that. Be strong in our faith and say, it's not something that like, you know, only the ignorant people, believe me. It takes a lot more faith to not believe in it. But let's go to the second question now. When it said, I'm the resurrection in life, do you believe this? The question is, what does it mean for me? The first question, literally, do you believe? Answer, yes. Second question, do you believe what it means for you? Well, the resurrection means this. The resurrection means sharing life with Christ. The fact that he is risen and he is alive means that my life today, I share my life with him and he shares his life with me because Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. And he's alive today with me as much as he was with Peter, as much as he was with James. Like You can look at Peter, James, John, and you can see that for those guys, Jesus is rising from the dead. meant a whole new lifestyle. They were sharing life with him in a very real way. What I'm telling you is he didn't die after that. He's still alive and he's still sharing his life with me and I'm sharing my life with him just as much. Often we think of Christianity as faith. What is Christianity all about? It's about belief. You have to believe. You have to have faith. You have to believe. You have to believe. You have to believe. You have to believe. You have to believe believing is for sure a part of christianity but believing is not the end goal believing is not the end goal believing is a is a a means to an end just like in marriage the goal of marriage is not information about one another the information is necessary what's your last name what is it you know that you who was your crush in fifth grade or whatever it may be like these are important pieces of information that you need to have about one another But the goal is the information is a means to an end. What's the end goal? Intimacy. Closeness. Shared life. And it's the same thing in our Christian walk. If your life with God is only intellectual, if your relationship with God is only in here, only in your head, it's just information, just stuff you read, just stuff that you study, just stuff that you discuss, you're missing out. Anybody can know information about Christ. Like every week, there's like a new movie that comes out about him. You can read all the books. You can listen to all the sermons. That's great, but that's not the goal. Those are good things. I'm not saying those are bad. Watch the movies, listen to, don't watch all the movies, but watch the good ones, listen to the sermons, read the books, study, like all that's great. But all those are steps to get us to a place. Said another way, Jesus didn't come to give us information about him. He came to give us life with him. He didn't come to give us information about him. He came to us, give us life with him. He came to give us intimacy. came to give us communion with him that we would share life together. Let's go back to the story of Lazarus. Okay, we left off. Jesus was there. Lazarus in the tomb. And Martha's crying, says, it's your fault. He says, don't worry, lady. You see Lazarus again. He's, she's like, I know in heaven. He says, no, no, no. I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? We'll fast forward now to verse 38. Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. That's an important point. He came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Jesus came to the tomb. He came to the place of death. He came to the place where the people were isolated, where Lazarus was isolated from him. The place where there was no hope. The place where there was only discouragement. He came and he stood inside there and he said, you're not alone. Whatever it is that's keeping us down, you're not alone. Whatever it is that's burying us, you're not alone. Whatever stone is blocking our way, you're not alone. He came to the place. Verse 40. I'm sorry, verse, rest of verse 38. Then Jesus again groaning himself came. We already saw this verse. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. The old King James Version of this is very great. Okay, where it says there is a stench. It said, by this time, Lord, he stinketh. He stinketh, Lord. And I say, amen, he stinketh. And I know there's many times in my life that I stinketh and you stinketh, but Jesus doesn't worry about the stinketh. Jesus comes and he stands with them, verse 40, and he said to her, did I not say to you, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And what is he referring to? He's referring to our verse that I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall though he though he though he may die, he shall live. And he said, "Do you believe this?" And he's just saying, "Didn't I tell you if you would believe? Didn't I tell you if you'd believe you wouldn't see death? Didn't I tell you if you'd believe the jet ski? Didn't I tell you if you'd hold on to the jet ski you'd live life in a whole new way? I'm not just here to just to, to lift you above the water for a little bit and put you back down. Didn't I tell you that if you would believe?" Verse 43. Now, when he had said these things. He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I don't know why he cried with a loud voice, but I always said to myself, man, if I ever did like a raising of the dead, I would loud voice, shout it out, because it just seems like a cool thing to do. Lazarus, come forth. You know what I mean? Verse 44, and he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth, and Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Obviously, when Jesus did this miracle, they were astonished. And they marveled, but where the real astonishment took place was a week later, because this was exactly one week before Jesus' own resurrection from the dead on Easter Sunday morning. And that's at the point in time where they realized that Jesus, when he said, I'm the resurrection and the life, is not an event. Life isn't something that Jesus gives. It's the essence of who he is. Resurrection isn't something that took place. is isn't something Jesus does. It's who he is. And if he's with me, Listen carefully here. I'm not saying every problem gets solved. I'm not saying every sickness gets healed. I'm not saying every, every bad thing goes away. But what I am saying is I'm never alone. I'm never stuck. I'm never without hope because he's with me. He's alive. And the fact that he's alive and he's with me means that no matter what the darkness, no darkness he can't penetrate. No problem he can't solve. That's not saying he will. He will. But there's no bad he can't turn and make, into good for all, make all things good to those who believe in him and those who love his holy name. But the question is, do you believe? Do you believe that he's with you? Do you believe that he's alive? Do you believe that he is life itself? A few days ago, I was, um, I was in a meeting with a group of people, and, and someone said in that meeting something which was very nice. This person was saying, you know, these days I feel it was coming at the end of Holy Week. He said, these days I feel that the veil between heaven and earth is thinner than it's ever been. The veil between heaven and earth is thinner than it's ever been. And basically what she was saying is that God is here and God is working and God is touching hearts and God is, like God is, it's not like here we are and then we send like a message up to God and like hope he gets it, like the message in the bottle, okay, and like send it up there and hopefully he gets back to us. Like God is here and God is working and God is amongst us. But you know, sometimes we just can't necessarily see it. She said that, and I said, amen, 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 amen. Because we know that Emmanuel, our God, we say this in our hymns, Emmanuel, our God, is now in our midst. And the basis of orthodoxy, what our faith is based on, is that Christ is alive, he is here with us, and the goal of everything we do is to share life together, to walk together. This is why sometimes we have the wrong view of the church. Sometimes we think of the church, we take it for granted, we think of like the church is like, okay, we have to go to church, we have to go take communion, we have to pray, we have to go to confession. We think that we're doing God a favor. We think that like, okay, I, I, I got to pray so that God doesn't smite me down because like praying is like paying a tax. I gotta like put a coin in the thing every single day. It's like the toll booth, so I just gotta pay the toll so God leaves me alone. I gotta go to confession because the priest, there's like, you know, they get a commission or something like that of the number of confessions. So for their sake, I gotta throw them, throw them a bone or something like that. We think that we just gotta show up at church, so it's like, God, remember this face. When I die, let me in upstairs, not downstairs. Okay, reserve a room for me up there. And I, 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 it's missing out on everything. Christ is risen. And because Christ is risen, the sacraments are real. Because Christ is risen, if Christ was not risen, then yeah, we're the most pathetic and pitiable of all people. But because Christ is risen, then every time we do a baptism, you are getting buried with Christ in his tomb and rising to new life. That's real. Because Christ is alive. If he was not alive, but not real. Because Christ is risen, when you go to confession, you're standing at the foot of the cross and hearing Jesus say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's real. It's invisible to the naked eye, but it's real. When we come, because Christ is risen, we come to the table of the Lord. We're at the Last Supper. There's Peter, there's James, there's John, and then there's me like sneaking my face in there being like, and I'm sitting right there at the same table that Peter, James, and John are sitting at, because Christ is risen. Because Christ is risen, prayer is not talking to the ceiling. Because Christ is risen, there's a door that's open between me and heaven. And when I stand to pray, it's like going to visit the king of the universe He says, come on in the Oval Office. I don't know if there's an Oval Office Whatever office there is up there, okay? The good one, the important one. The King of Heaven, because Christ is risen. He says, let's go up there and let's go talk to God. Let's go in that intimate room where no one will bother us, because Christ is risen. But, do you believe, is the question. And I want to help you to believe in this. So I want to tell you something that I've been doing for the past week. This is like my practice, what I'm going to do for these holy 50 days. I came up with this on the first day, God put this on my heart, that every day in my quiet time, I'm gonna read the gospel of the day, the church reading, because they're all focused on Christ, and then I'm gonna spend in my journal, I'm gonna write this sentence. Jesus is here with me, and Jesus is blank. Jesus is here with me, and Jesus is blank. I wanna remind myself every day. Jesus is here with me, and Jesus is blank. So let me tell you how this went. The first day, I read a passage from Luke chapter seven which was when Jesus raised the widow of Nain's daughter, okay, or the son of the widow of Nain, sorry, when Jesus raised her son from the dead. So what I wrote down in my journal, Jesus is here with me, and Jesus is giving new life. That's what I wrote on that day. Jesus is giving me a new start, and I spent some time saying, thank you, God, that today you're here with me. You're giving me a new start. Things start fresh today. Thank you so much, God. Next day, I think got these days in the wrong order. I read from Mark chapter 16, which is an account of the resurrection, where they came to the tomb, the part that struck me was when the women came and said, Who rolled the stone away from the door of the tomb? Who rolled the stone away from the door of the tomb? And when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. That's what the scripture said. So what I wrote down is, Jesus is here with me, and Jesus is rolling away stones, whatever obstacle in front of me. Is in front of me today. Jesus is removing that obstacle so that I can experience his resurrection and new life. And I said, Thank you, God. Next day, I read from Luke chapter 24, the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And I said, Jesus is here with me. And even though I don't see him, Jesus is here and he is opening eyes and he is revealing mysteries. You see how this works? I want to every single day for these holy 50 days say, Jesus is alive. Jesus is here. He's with me. And I ask myself, What is it that he's doing this day? And I promise you he's doing something. You know why? Because he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's the question I want you to walk away with today. Is Jesus is who he says he is, but do you believe this? Do you believe that resurrection is a who, not a what? Life is not something that he gives, but the essence of his very nature. We've all been there like Lazarus, in a tomb, stuck, hopeless, stone, stanky. He stinketh, Lord. But do you believe that he is there, that he's in the story, and with him comes all the power of heaven, and that he's in it with us? Because resurrection is not a what. It's not something that Jesus does. It's a who. It's who he is and all the power that comes with it is available to me. But my job is to believe and hold on and to walk around every single day for these 50 days and say, Jesus is here, he is with me. And in every situation, I'm holding on for dear life. And When I do that, I think we'll experience life in a whole new way. And our reminder of this is as we started, Christ is risen. Is risen. Let's remind ourselves of that every single day and practice what it is that we say. Let's stand for a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you that you are the resurrection and the life and that you are here and that you are alive and that you are with us, Lord, just as you were with your disciples 2,000 years ago. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to believe and to live every single day with your presence next to us, believing that even when we can't see you, that you are here with us, and bringing all the power of heaven with you. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, with the prayers and intercessions of all your saints. Hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord,